been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 23. It's the Jordan episode. Pretty excited about it. And today we bring on Team Brandon, hashtag Team Brandon. I bring on Mr. Brandon Champion. I think he's at Brandon the Champ. I'll have to ask him if the, the Twitter has been successful getting that other one. But Brandon, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Brandon, what's up? I'm ready for the Big Ten Brandon hour here. Uh, yeah. Whenever a Brandon comes calling, uh, you know, I'm happy to step in and help a fellow Brandon out there. You know, uh, us Brandon's got to stick together. So uh, fired up you invited me. Uh, but yeah, the Brandon the Champ thing, it's it's T-H-A on the right. Twitter there. Because my boy out there in Nebraska who, you know, who knows, man. He he hasn't been heard from since 2010. So he's still sucking up that Brandon the Champ. But if I could get my people out there to tweet at him and be like, yo, just delete yeah. your account. It's all good. You know, yeah, just, just- and then that would help me out a little bit for sure. I know, man. We got we all have to have these sweet uh, tags, man. We can't do it, or you can do duh champ. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, like get really like, with it. I don't know. That's one. That's an option. But I don't know if someone might have that. You might have to pay him 500 bucks for that tag as well. So you just never know, man. But, well, now that now that I don't have my check mark anymore because I'm not about to pay for it, uh, I can just change it whenever I want. You know, so we're that's good. True. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But yeah, man, you were one of the original blue checks. So uh, I mean, some people listen to BTR that listen here, but for those that haven't, since it's your first appearance on the Future Freshman Podcast, what do you tell? What do you tell the audience? You know what you do. Um, what's you kind of like focal? You know what you, you know, is your your bread and butter per se? What what are you like, man? Well, so I'm a journalist by trade. That's my day job. I work for MLive, Michigan's new, largest news site. So I do a little sports, do a little uh, write about the DNR, do some, I write about the Upper Peninsula, Northern Michigan. So that's kind of the day job. But my passion is sports, particularly college sports. Um, you know, Michigan State, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder, big fan of the Spartans. But um, I for, for MLive in an official capacity, I host our Michigan State podcast. So uh, it's very comprehensive look at Mich- both Michigan State football and obviously Michigan State basketball um, because, you know, we are a basketball school, for being honest. But, uh, you know, we, we, it's very comprehensive, very specific to Michigan State. If you're a Big Ten fan, you'd probably find it interesting. But it's definitely uh, for the hardcore Sparties out there, the the, the bleeders of the green and white. Um, so th- that's kind of, uh, you know, when it comes to, to football and sports, that's kind of my official capacity as a job. I do a lot of national sports, too. Uh, try and focus on, you know, college sports, golf, the NFL, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I get to write about a lot of different stuff. And uh, uh, CFF is kind of something that I've come into in the last four or five years. And, uh, you know, I just love it. I, I've loved getting to know people like you, Brandon, and the BTR guys and, and Jared and other guys in the community. And it's just such a great community. You know, everyone's so welcoming welcoming to, to new players like myself. You know, I guess I'm not that new anymore. But, uh, you know, if somebody wants to get into CFF, guys like you are always there to help out. So I've definitely enjoyed uh, getting more into uh, providing my thoughts on, on the pods lately. So I uh, appreciate the invite. Absolutely, man. We always welcome new players because we're growing the sport together. Man, you see what NFL fantasy has come to now, and we're just trying to make CFF the next big one. And, and hopefully we'll have like a spot next to Matthew Barry down the road, and we can all talk <laughs> about guys that we've uh, seen play for you know three solid years before the NFL. So I, I know, think it's I- catching on, right? Yeah, I mean, I've loved to see, like, because uh, when I first got into CFF, you basically had, like, you know, uh, John Lobb and, and Bogman were doing that show. But you, it was harder to find, like, content, you know. And now it's, like, 
we got so many people that are putting out CFF content and this podcast in particular, the, the future freshman, I think is really beneficial to people who play dynasty because it was kind of like a, a little bit of a gap that we didn't have there, you know, deep diving into this freshman and, yeah. um, you know, and at CFF dynasty, I, I think is probably still growing. And I know there's C2C and Debbie guys out there. I'm not, I haven't really dipped my toe into that, but right. I think this pod in particular has really done a good job sort of filling a gap that we definitely needed. So I've been loving uh, all the more content into, into dynasty and some of these under, under the radar freshmen. So uh, yep. props for that, man. Appreciate that. I remember we uh before we get into the thing, we had a conversation with good old Jacory Brooks last year in the DMs, and that didn't turn out too good in our favor. So hopefully next time we conversate in the DMs, other than talk about shows and stuff, that uh we make some smarter decisions, at least on my end. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was the Anthony Gatson. The Anthony Gatson was the guy. Knucklehead. I felt so bad for Corey when he was on, but I gave a good one. Darrell Robinson, UNC Charlotte. Check that guy out. He's gonna all be right. a big time, all right? All it's gonna right. be a big time. All right, man. Let's do some little homework first. Our little uh, housekeeping, like to call it, and then we'll go ahead and get into the show, man. Of course, you can find all things that we do, or I do at least, over at campusdecanton.com. Of course, articles, tools, and guides. Little plug we have the pre sale for the CFF guide, it's coming out the first weekend of July, so July 4th weekend. Only $20, or if you're an NIL tier member, then you already get that for free, so that'll be in your inbox already. So please go check that out. Um, super excited, man. We're in the final stages. Uh, Brandon, we're doing all the team profiles. All 133 are done. We're in players now. It's been fun, but honestly, we're ahead of schedule, and I'm kind of excited about it. So now we can kind of tweak it and kind of even add some little extra personal stuff in there. So it's going to be a good guy, man. It's definitely going to blow away the one from last year, so I'm very super excited. Go check all that out over at campusdecan.com. And then I'd be remiss if I said that I made a boo-boo last week on the last podcast. We do have a partnership with Homefield Apparel, of course, which is really good. Um, but instead of 10% off, it's 15% off if you use the promo code C2C. Sorry, Austin and Colin and all the guys that are above <laughs> me in pay grade. Um, but, hey, I'm making it up now. 15%. So you're getting 5% more than what I told you last week. Uh, Brandon, they got some sweet uh, Sparty stuff that's uh, old school. They got the old school Ram for the Tar Heels. I'm like I told uh, my guest last week. I'm gonna be broke, man. There's a lot of good vintage stuff on there. I'm sure you've seen some pretty good Michigan State on there already, haven't you? Oh yeah, Gruff Sparty, man. That's I, yeah. I, I need all the Gruff Sparty gear, kind of like the old school Ram. You know, it's yep. uh, gotta have Ramsey's, I was, man. I was, glad, I was glad to see that uh, Michigan State finally finally put Gruff Sparty on some swag out here. Right? We were waiting for it for years, dude. So. Uh, oh, love man. those throwback logos. Yeah, man. I love the vintage, man. So please go check them out at Homefield Apparel. Like I said, promo codes C2C to save you 15%. All right, man. So, of course, I bring Mr. Champion on because he's the champion of Big Ten. Of course, he specializes in Michigan State. So I threw him a little Sam Levitt love on there for the graphic to start. But we are talking Big Ten conference quarterbacks, even though this is the Brandon Big Ten hours, what we also have dubbed it as well. <laughs> And we're going to start with your boy, Mr. Sam Levitt. He's an on-three consensus, 89.49, and he is a four-star athlete. He did commit, in fact, to Michigan State. Um, would you like to know where he went in a CFF draft dynasty recently, or would you like to talk him up first before we uh, divulge that information? I mean, I can tell you what I kind of know about him or kind of like what the staff liked about him. You know, what, sure. you know I'm yeah, obviously making a pretty – yeah. Because I, I got a Hauser stock, so I'm trying to figure out what I need to do with that. And I got a couple questions about Michigan State. So let's do that first, and then we'll talk about Levitt as a CFF asset. So tell me about what you saw from Levitt, why Michigan State was big on him, and what do you think the fit is there as far as him playing at Michigan State? 
So I like you know he's got decent size. He was committed to Washington State for like the longest time. I think like in July of of twenty two he committed, and he sort of committed later in the cycle to Michigan State. MSU had uh, Bo Edmondson, who's a quarterback out of Lake Travis in Texas, committed. He's at UNLV now, and they they were definitely spending a lot of time like trying to get Dante Moore to stay home. Uh, you know, he had visited Michigan State a lot, and, and I think that was always kind of a pipe dream. But it seemed like there was some interest there, so they kind of had Bo Edmondson committed as they're trying to dip their toes in the Dante Moore sweepstakes. That obviously doesn't happen. Um, so the number one player from Michigan goes to Oregon. And so I guess Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach said, fine, we're going to go get the number one player in Oregon then and bring him to Michigan. No, I don't think that's what happened. But game. They, they offered him on December 7th. He visited December 9th, decommits from Washington State on December 14th and commits on December 15th. So clearly <laughs> Sam Levitt was a guy who was, you know, this happened very quickly and kind of late in the game, but he was clearly a guy who was interested in the system. And you mentioned Caden Hauser. It's kind of two years in a row now where Jay Johnson has sort of identified uh, a late riser at the quarterback position where these guys were maybe like high three stars. And then by the time the cycle gets completed, they're, you know, they're, they're full blown four stars. So, um, you know, he's done a good job at kind of identifying that now, from a CFF standpoint, I can understand why, you know, nationally guys probably would have preferred to him to be at Washington State instead of in, in East Lansing. But I will say that Jay Johnson's system does have some potential to produce. I mean, Peyton Thorne had a two years ago had a record setting season in the system. So I know yeah. last year was brutal and, you know, who knows what they're going to be like this year. But there are there is some potential for it in the in the fit. I think the reason that Michigan State liked him is because. Uh, Jay Johnson's offense is basically, you know, they want to establish it. They want to establish the run. It's not like the most fantasy friendly offense, but what they want to do is run, 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 hit, hit it over the top. And you saw two years ago, you know, when you had Kenneth Walker in the backfield, uh, Peyton Thorne took a lot of sh deep shots, whether it was to Jaden Reed, whether it was to, uh, you know, Jeremy Bernard, whether it was to, to uh, Keon Coleman, um, they wanted to throw it. They wanted to run the ball to set up these deep shots. So there are deep shots in it. And, when you watch uh, Sam Levitt's tape, the thing that sticks out to me is his strong arm. You know, I, he throws a fantastic deep ball. Like if, if you're watching his tape and it's almost effortless, right? It's like he 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 kind of just like stands in there and just sort of flicks his wrist. And it, it just happens effortlessly, effortlessly. The ball flies out of his hand. And I think that that's kind of what Michigan State liked to see to him. You know, I. I think his pocket presence could be better. He tends to bail to the outside instead of, you know, stepping up into the pocket when he needs to. And his release is kind of like a sort of like a sidearm fling that I think could maybe yeah. cause some issues uh, in the big 10 with some of these pass rushers. I think they're going to have to work on that release to make it a little more uh, smooth, but I can see why Jay Johnson was attracted to this kid because he's a strong arm kid. And I've heard some people that are pretty smart call him one of the more underrated prospects in the class. So uh, I think he became more mobile as his career went on. And so I, I can see why he, uh, Jay Johnson, Mel Tucker could see him as a fit in this offense because uh, yeah, they want to run the ball at Michigan state, but they also like to take shots as if you, if you put on the tape from 2021, you'll see a lot of flea flickers to Jaden Reed. You'll see a lot of deep shots. Um, and, and Sam Levitt certainly can throw it deep uh, with the best of them in this class, I think. Yeah, shout out to Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed for uh, helping me in some DFS a couple years ago. <laughs> some good showdowns with Michigan State when no one else was playing them. I played them, and Jaden Reed helped me get closer towards the championship. Well, so shout out to Jaden Reed for getting some uh, getting into the Packers lore and getting out there. Hopefully he uh, he trend, he keeps doing his thing, man. Shout out to Jaden Reed. But <laughs> yeah, man, I I was noticing just because uh, I, I use on three as the breakdown and stuff like that. They have a pro comparison of Andy Dalton. The reason why they have that 
as be said, kind of what you said, big arm, but he does have the ability to move out of the pocket on there. And in high school, he's really good about evading one. So he had over 713 yards and rushing and stuff like that. So he is a known, like, uh, I wouldn't know, say a dual threat, but he's able to kind of extend plays. He's able to kind of get on his feet. And we all know that extra rushing in a quarterback is really good for the fantasy landscape. So even if he's in a dilemma and he does have, you know, if he is the one that's starting, which I'll ask you about that here in just a minute or so. But uh, needless to say, Sam Levitt, a, a comparison of Andy Dalton, who went around two pick three overall to the Bengals, I think that's pretty good, especially if you're looking at him at a Debbie standpoint, if you're looking at him at like a long term, like campus to Canton, where you want to pick him up and then keep him, he does have NFL potential, which is, is what they're saying. So I think that's pretty decent, right? Um, but he did go round six, pick three in a CFF dynasty draft recently, which I thought was good. Wow. But it also makes me as a King Hauser owner who took Hauser in the fifth round last year, a little worried, but now I'm hearing, you know, thorns out of there, Kim, you know, like what's the, what's the one, two, three line what are you look, what are you hearing on the inside, man? <laughs> well, that, it, there's a lot of unknown, man. I mean, obviously Peyton Thorne's not going to be involved when we were at the spring practice or whatever, because Michigan state doesn't have a spring game anymore these days, which is a whole nother thing that annoys me, but uh, it looked like Peyton Thorne was, was the leader in the clubhouse there. Uh, seems like Peyton wanted certain uh, assurances after spring that he didn't get. And that's why he bolted to Auburn. Auburn had been, uh, let's just call it what it is, tampering with him for months uh, to get him to come. So I don't know what that says about their quarterback room, that they're going after a guy who was five and seven as a starting quarterback last year and begging him to come down there. But so Peyton Thorne's out the picture. I do think Noah Kim will start week one, which sort of clouds this whole Katen Hauser, Sam Levitt thing, because they're both, you know, four-star quarterbacks and Michigan state hasn't really had a lot of four-star quarterbacks. They had a four-star quarterback uh, named Damian Terry several years ago. They had uh, a five-star in Jeff Smoker a long time ago. Um, so Michigan state doesn't usually get these four-star five-star quarterbacks. Obviously they've had some good diamonds in the rough through the years, you know, Connor Cook, Kirk Cousins, guys like that. But, uh, it's complicated for now. I do think Noel Kim's going to start week one. So that puts Kate Hauser even on the back burner. And then Sam Levitt is obviously going to be behind those two to begin. So I don't know how much of a CFF I'm surprised to hear him go in the sixth round because he's third string right now. And yeah. uh, that's, you know, I know he's talented. Uh, we'll see what Kate Hauser can do. We've only seen him briefly, but I do think Noel Kim is going to be the starter uh, week one. So it's hard to say from a long-term standpoint how far Levitt is, how long it will take him to even get on the field because Caden Hauser is just a redshirt freshman. So it's like, uh, you know, he's in front of him and he's a talented kid in his own right with a lot of the same intangibles that Levitt has. So um, it seems like, you know, maybe you draft for talent and maybe one of these guys transfers out, but it, it would it would be hard to envision a scenario where Hauser and Levitt are both in East Lansing long-term considering how young and talented both of them are. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. If you had to play the Russian roulette, who do you think is the transfer out? Because two four-stars, like, you know, that, that confused me. And it confused a lot of the CFF community. We're just like, yo, Levitt's great. But I was like, man, he could have probably started, and especially some higher in G5 or, you know, some even lower in, uh, you know, P5. Stuff North like that. Texas, but, I heard, was a spot that he could have gone oh, and, and played right away. Because he was, he was close with their yeah, – yeah. yeah. uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a that's a good offense to get a hold of, man. Especially five. That's a lot of fun CFF wise too. Um, gosh, but who do you think, man? Do you think it's Hauser Levitt? Who do you think is just not going to stick around the longest? If you had to guess, like today, we'll say I got to give it to Hauser for now because just because he's yeah. he's been there. I mean, he he's in the starting competition right now. You know, he's in camp. He's been there for two years now. He's literally has a chance to be the starting quarterback right now. I mean, there's a he didn't do much in the spring game, Hauser, but it was almost like. 
you know, now I'm starting to think because of the, the Peyton Thorne stuff going on, because of the Keon Coleman stuff going on that came out after that, that if maybe Michigan State was kind of hiding Caden Hauser and, and maybe they're going to like unveil him at some point. Um, you know, Noel Kim has, he's kind of like the dark horse here. You know, he's like the kid from Virginia that transferred in and people don't really know who he is, but he has developed a lot as a quarterback too. So it's like, I mean, he has three years of eligibility left, you know? So like if he comes in and takes over this job, then all of a sudden we're looking at Hauser and Levitt on the back burner and it's with multiple years of eligibility in front of them. So it's really hard for me to give you a definitive answer right now, but I would give the upgrade or the, the nod to, to Hauser just cause he's been there longer and uh, you know, turn on the tape, the kid's impressive. So, uh, and he has sort of like that classic, California moxie swagger that you want in a quarterback. You know, I haven't really seen Levitt talk or do interviews because, you know, he's a true freshman and he's just kind of working in the backgrounds, getting his feet wet. So it's hard to say kind of what kind of kid he is. I know they like his intangibles, but uh, Hauser just has a step up on him in, in experience right now. So it'd be hard to say that he was going to ever come in and start over him right now. So uh, it's just a tricky situation with Michigan State. There's a lot of moving parts right now. I mean, you could look at all three situations right now, receiver, running back, quarterback, and there's a lot of unknown. So it's, it's, I I know I'm not helping anyone by saying it's a wait and see, but (laughs) I do think, you know, in the end, having Levitt and Hauser on your roster is going to help you because they're both talented and they're probably going to end up starting somewhere. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, shout out to Mel Tucker because at least he's given, it sounds like he's given everyone a fair shot to at least compete and give the best talent to get on the field. So shout out to, to Mel Tucker. I know like the longer he goes without getting back to the playoffs, the more the seat gets a little hotter for him. And they paid him a significant amount of money. So I know he's uh, he's pressured to to perform. So hopefully guess, he figures it out. So Yeah, I guess the one positive thing you could say is Mel Tucker, you know, to your point, he, he can't afford to not play the best player, you know, regardless of class. So if Noel right. Kim is the best player, he's going to start. But if, if right. he's not playing up to par and things get off to a rough start, Noah Kim or Kaden Hauser shows that. I mean, I think it would be very shocking to see Levitt get on the field year one. Right. But if, if Kaden Hauser is playing better, then he's going to play him. I mean, he, Mel's has said that repeatedly, like the best guy is going to play regardless of class. So you, you uh, think like if they didn't perform, then there's probably a short lease leash because, you know, he's got a he's got to win. You know, it's the big 10. You got to win. So mm-hmm. I'm sure each one of these guys only has like a few games before he's willing to, you know, pull one for the other type situation. So. Yeah. We may see Hauser more than Levitt. All right, man, before we move on to the next quarterback, I would be remiss not to ask you about one of my favorites. And, of course, I'm big on lineage, and lineage is a big-time deal. Well, you know, we have these juniors, right? So Marvin Harrison Jr. is a big-time one. I have a guy that I've been waiting on my roster last year. His name is Antonio Gates Jr. So i got to ask, man, how's Gates doing? Have you heard anything in camp? How, is he uh, is he projected to start? Is he going to move to tight end? Like, what's, what's, what's Gates doing these days, man? He won't play tight end. He's a receiver. Uh, He has flashed in camp. I've seen, you know, they put up little videos. He had a sick cat. He had a nice catch uh, from Noah Kim in the spring practice corner of the end zone. Uh, You know, you can tell dad told him to get them two feet down in the corner of the end zone. You know, you could tell he had that Michigan state has a lot of young uh, talented receivers and we're going to get, see them in action this year with Keon Coleman going to Florida state. Uh, you know, it, it's between him, Julian Glover from Florida and Tyrell Henry, who's a kid from Michigan. Henry's probably actually uh, the the most likely of the three young guys to get on the field. He played special teams last year. Um, he can play in the slot. He can play outside. He has some good go up and get the ball, throw it up uh, plays. And if you watch last year, 
Michigan State's best play on offense was basically throw it up to Keon Coleman. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Tyrell Henry's a guy who can go up and make a play, but he can also run routes in the slot. And I think, I don't know if you could say that Gates is going to be like a regular on the field. I think he could be in the rotation though, because there's just a big gap at receiver right now. You know, there's, there's, uh, you've got two veterans, Trey Mosley and Montori Foster. Foster's been banged up with injuries, but he's flashed through the years. Trey Mosley has been just like that steady veteran who's going to, you throw it at him, he's going to catch it. He's going to get the first down. He's not going to fumble it. He'll make the plays, but he's not going to be like a ceiling flash explosive play guy. So to me, that's going to be one of the freshmen. Antonio Gates absolutely has the skill to do that. Um, And I think he'll get a chance um, because receiver is probably going to be by committee with Keon going. So it's, I don't know if we can say right now that any one of those guys is going to step up as like a, a true alpha number one at this point. But uh, Antonio Gates obviously has uh, pretty good bloodlines there. Um, and I know the coaching staff is very excited about him. He made a really nice catch in that spring game. So I, I would expect to see him on the field. I just don't know if it's going to be consistent enough for CFF this year. But then again, the receiver room is wide open. So it, it's it's always a chance that one of these guys can emerge. You know, Michigan State always seems to have receivers. They they come and they, and they, they find a way to get on the field and they make plays. I mean, that's never been a position – that's been an issue for the Spartans all no, even when they have bad teams, they have receivers. So, uh, you know, as evidenced by Jaden Reed going in the second round last year. So uh, I think that, I think that Antonio Gates is one of those guys that the staff is definitely excited about. I don't know if he's going to be a consistent contributor, but he's absolutely one of those guys that could flash, you know, your deeper best balls, uh, you know, Jared's big 10 best ball. Uh, there you go. he's, he's absolutely viable in those situations. And if CFF, uh, Foster and Mosley are going to be out of there. So those three, Young guys, I mentioned Glover, Tyrell Henry, Antonio Gates. It could be their time as early as next year. So uh, for Dynasty go. Leagues, absolutely worth an investment. There you go. So you heard it. Invest in at least one of the young guys in Michigan State. Also check your waivers because if they pop off and then, you know, we're always looking for the wide receiver one in Michigan State, regardless of aggression or not. That's always, you know, a good one to have. The running back, Michigan State, hopefully one emergence. Uh, I, I think I heard you on the BTR pod, so I think there's a clear – runner at first which i'm very intrigued by so yeah um you know definitely go check them out all right man you ready to talk about the next quarterback let's do it that's enough uh sparty homerism for the pod you know enough for all you guys and i hope uh, <laughs> uh our guy uh our good guy peoples on that one who's our editor he's also a michigan state guy so i hope you enjoyed that buddy and enjoyed <laughs> all that good michigan state talk all right let's talk about our next guy and uh admittedly i almost had him as a guest but he had to go to campus a lot sooner and coach franklin has a rule where as soon as you're a freshman you enter campus you don't do interviews or anything like that until year two so this is one mr jackson smollick he's an on three consensus 87.33 which is a higher three star he did compete uh commit to penn state so um, he had somewhat of a limited one. He didn't really come up, uh, Brandon, until I just uh, listened to this on the official, which is our recruiting guys and stuff like that, that he actually showed out in the Elite 11 and that he mm-hmm. came on strong near the end there. And that's where he got the look. And all of a sudden he started getting these offers coming through and he chose to go to Penn State. But he did, uh, regardless if he played like with a smaller amount of like competition on that per se, he still had a high level of uh, efficiency and ability. He completed over 65% of his passes throughout his uh, uh, career this year and went from nine touchdowns to only two interceptions as a junior. So he's very high efficiency as far as touchdowns over interceptions as well. Um, he said that he's very solid all around prospect with a feel for position and he played Decent competition. He should develop into reliable, dependable, dependable start at power five. Um, and he has a, a athletic comparison of Case Keenum. 
which doesn't, you know, light your fire. Basically, if you're uh, anywhere in the NFL realm of Case Keenum, maybe that one year in, in Minnesota when they had the miracle season there with uh, yeah. their boy Stefan Diggs, right? But Case Keenum and CFS was an absolute a unit. He was a monster, right? But here's where I need to get your opinion, Brandon. There's one, and I got to do the write-up on the guy that's actually starting. I call him the prodigy, which is Mr. Drew Alar. Big six-foot-six guy that looks like he could be a model, basically, if he wasn't starting in the quarterback position, right? <laughs> so just an athlete, a big chunk of a man that's like already got NFL comparisons and already being dubbed as, you know, like the next generational guy after the guys like May and Kelly Williams and stuff like that. But Jackson Smog has decided to go Penn State, and I hear in camp he's doing pretty good. However, Alar has the has it wrapped up currently right now. So what's your thoughts on Smock when you got to check him out a little bit or do a little bit of research? And then why do you think he wanted to take on this challenge, knowing that he has an uphill battle to climb against Alar as the starting guy? I was a little confused by that last part. I'm a big Drew Alar guy. I've got him in multiple dynasty leagues, That's big believer. Uh, I mean, I, I think that he is a guy that can absolutely elevate this Penn State team to yeah. be a true national championship contender. You know, Penn State in general, I think, has acquired a lot more high-end talent in recent years. So many weapons. Good defense yeah. here. And I think it'll be really fun to watch that. You know, I, I, the things I like about Smolik, you know, just watching him recently, you know, I, I definitely had to research some of these guys to come on the pod here last minute. But, you know, he's a baseball player. I like that multiple multi-sport athlete you can kind of see it in his throwing motion when you watch the tape it kind of looks like he's a middle infielder turning a double play it's kind of like a little quick fling you know it's uh it's a little bit weird of a motion i know it's he lost uh, he lo- yeah 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 he lost fling, the, yeah it's like a it is it looks like he's turning yeah, two, for sure um, and uh, Sam Levitt kind of has that too, actually. That's going to have to yeah. get cleaned up. But uh, I know he lost a year in high school to injury. So like you mentioned, kind of a last minute invite to the Elite 11s. I heard James Franklin say uh, in his press conference when he was announcing uh, you know, the, the recruiting class that he literally earned a scholarship by attending a Penn State camp. So, uh, you know, they, they, they saw it with their own eyes what they like. You know, I, I think that he can be a solid floor, low ceiling kind of quarterback. You know, he looks pretty accurate on film. Uh, he seems like he has a good, a good feel for kind of like throwing wide receivers open. Like he's kind of advancing, like throwing into windows and he has good accuracy uh, on the run. I don't know if he does anything like great though. You know, he's just kind of like solid and he's not afraid to tuck it and run, but I wouldn't like project him long-term to be like a, a you know, to bring value on the ground. You know, the runs I saw on tape is kind of like, he gets the ball out of the shotgun, stands there, and then sort of like he immediately sees an opening, so he takes off. They're not really like designed runs. Um, so I, I don't know if we could see a lot of like that at Penn State. Um, you know, listening to James Franklin, comes from a great family. Franklin loved his intangibles. And he also randomly mentioned his massive hands. So I guess he's like the anti Kenny yeah. Pickett, you know, yeah, like- he was, he was the reverse <laughs> picket or what? Yeah. Reverse flash or whatever you call him. Yeah, yeah. just reverse picket. Yeah, so uh, maybe those sorts of like intangibles that he has, and, and like you said, the willingness to come to Penn State, which is going to be a place where Drew R is going to be cemented as the starting quarterback. At least we think so for the next few years. Um, you know, maybe those sort of intangibles and that willingness to compete. Um, can give him a higher ceiling than I'm giving giving him credit for. But to me, he kind of seems like it could be like a Sean Clifford type. You know, they're, they're similar in yeah. size. Uh, and it seems like it's going to be tough for him to get on the field early on uh, for mm-hmm. the next two, three years. Maybe he sticks it out and battles it out and, and wants to compete for that job down the road. But he could also be a transfer candidate. Um, it's really just going to depend how he develops. But he seems to have the right uh, makeup to want to uh, potentially become a Power 5 quarterback down the line. Yeah, he's got the tangibles. Honestly, man, if he would have 
we'll talk about the next guy, but if he went to a place like a Rutgers or somewhere like an Illinois or something like that, like I think he would have shined. He probably would have had a good competition for the first spot. Do you think it's just more like he sees like Alar's like maybe two years and then, you know, it's time for him for the NFL. So maybe he sees like at least an opening a lot faster at a bigger school versus like, I'd rather go compete now. I almost like, it's almost like Franklin was looking for his next really good backup and small and as I see it is a really good backup and, or like at a smaller power five, a starter, you know? So that's kind of mm-hmm. like kind of where we're seeing him at. Like I said, he's got the tangibles and even, you know, Guys like 24-7 and on three think he's a power five starter, so they think he's decent. But it's almost like, do you think he just succeeded to the fact that he's like he knew Al Harris was going to be there for two years? That's kind of my thought process. Yeah, so. I mean, if, you, if you're willing to wait and develop, and, you know, he did lose a year in, in high school to injury, so maybe he's a little bit further behind on the development. You know, maybe he knows that he has a lot to learn. Uh, to be a, a a really solid college quarterback, um, so you know he played in he played in Des Moines, Iowa. So you know I don't know what I think there's decent you know co- uh, high school football there defense, especially yeah. in that state. Yeah, no yeah. great defense. Yeah. yeah, so I mean I I think that maybe maybe he's a guy who comes in and he knows he has to develop, you know, and, and maybe he's willing to do that, you know, because Drew Allar definitely projects as an NFL talent. Um, so you, you maybe you would only expect him to be there in the minimum. So maybe he, he puts in his time on a winning team in a good culture um, and, and develops and he's willing to do that. But uh, I mean, I guess we'll only have to wait and see, but he's definitely not somebody that you're going to draft, uh, you know, thinking that he's going to be a contributor, at least in CFF for the next few years, I would think. Right. So he went completely undrafted and then this is all because of the, you know, it's, it's all our, like if he was nowhere to be found at Penn state, maybe someone would take the shot at him, but everyone's just going to leave him to the waiver wire basically until one, he transfers and then there may be some buzz or two, if LR somehow gets hit, then they'll look for the handcuff on the waiver wire basically. So uh, kind of keep that in mind, but Jackson small is available for those that are intrigued by any point or, or you just trying to play the long game. You want to play keep away. If you have that roster spot, the clock for two years, go for it. But we're saying proceed with caution, but he would be a good guy. Like he could start essentially if LR somehow went with injury or something like that. So he's definitely got that as well, man. Any last thoughts on small to Penn state before we move on? Good, sir. I think I'm good. All right, man. Let's move on to Mr. I don't know. He looks like sunshine to me, but Mr. Cal Swanson <laughs> on three consistence, 86.83, three star. So Cal Swanson also played basketball and he runs track, but Illinois was his only P5 offer. So he got a lot of ones from the G5, but it looks like Swanson found his first P5 and was like, that's it. That's who I'm going to go with as well. But he does deal now with the transfer, Mr. Luke Altmeyer, who I believe is a good fit for Illinois, and I think is an upgrade at quarterback as well. I meant they had, you know, a decent amount, and they still have Isaiah Williams there, who's a good standout. He's Isaiah Williams is that guy, like the first week he explodes for like twenty something fantasy points, right? Yeah, that's then you what pick I, him up. I think then you pick him up. Like, I think you said that on one of the pods or something like that. But yeah. and then he just thought, like, then he's mediocre, and then has like two more breakout games. <laughs> He's the, the greatest most- week zero player in the history of CFL. Exactly. Yes. And every time I see him on a week zero slate in DFS, I immediately plug him in and throw him in as captain or whatever, because I know he's going to dominate and people forget all the time. So this is another reminder to Zaya Williams, week zero, week one, bank on it. He's going for 20 fantasy points. So, yeah. but, but this is Cal Swanson, uh, his senior year. Unfortunately, he was only, it was three and seven, but he was the only shining star there at his school because it was a little bit weaker competition. He has a dual threat, uh, dual threat ability. Um, he has to go behind Almeyer Kiri 2 to start the season like we talked about, but he did uh, 
he qualified uh his his track is what is the biggest thing so he ran 23.01 200 meter and qualified for the oklahoma 5a 6a state meet at the in the 400 as a junior so i mean he's got track talent so he's got some speed he can get out of the pocket he can run and he can actually do some design runs so i think that's good because i do see illinois whoever's taking over after our boy chase brown had went to the nfl they're going to probably do a lot of run stuff like in particular so if they have to throw him out there for a play maybe near the goal line maybe they'll do some like maybe a sneak attack but altmeyer is not really i mean he's considered can be more dual threat but swanson's more so of a dual threat if that makes sense like he can be a runner just as much as he can be a quarterback as well so um i mean he threw for uh 206 yards per game and uh and he did 28 to 2 as far as touchdowns to interception ratio and he had a five touchdowns in his senior year so i mean like he had a good senior season it's just his team was not great brandon it was only three and seven man so he got uh, you know when you're looking at that and the good thing is you'll stand out but the bad thing is everyone around you is going to probably bring down your uh your recruiting value i'd have to say so maybe swanson was uh you know, the victim of maybe not going to a private school like he maybe should or, you know, stayed in the in the high school that he was. And, you know, maybe he was just loyal and he just wanted to be with his coach and stuff like that. But some guys go to different prep academies where it's IMG, things like that, where they can kind of improve and play higher competition. Maybe Swanson should have took that track. We're ne- we'll never know, right? But what do you think about Swanson? And what do you think about Illinois in general? What do you think about Altmeyer and, you know, the, the what Illinois is looking like this season? It's a very intriguing spot uh, for the Big Ten this year. Yeah. First of all, that photo, like I, if you want to draw up a quarterback, there's your guy right there, yeah, you know, that's, that's <laughs> but yeah, I mean, watching the tape, the first thing that stands out is the wheels. You know, you mentioned it 200, 400 in track. Uh, I mean, he can, he can absolutely motor down that sideline. He's got some moves, got some definite straight line speed. Uh, his uncle and cousin both played D one football. So we like guys yep. with the good bloodlines, you know, that's usually a good indicator. Uh, that the kid has a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I heard Brett Bielema talking about him on national signing day, uh, talking about his family, talking about his work ethic a lot. So we like that. We know he's not a knucklehead. We know he's going to come in there and work. He does have a set, kind of a smaller frame. And then with, when it comes to throwing the ball, it seemed like he was a little bit overconfident at times, uh, tried to put some balls into some windows that were not there. And that led to some interceptions. So I think he's definitely a work in progress when it comes to throwing the ball. But I agree with you, uh, despite him being kind of raw, that, that dual threat ability could make for uh, a pretty interesting combination in that Illinois offense. You know, we, we know they love to pound the rock with those massive running backs, whether it's Reggie love or McCray or uh, Fagan, the, the freshman that I know they like, um, you know, it's, I could see him working well in that, you know, a little, uh, you know, maybe a little option game, uh, get a little, you know, good, whether it's, you know, faking in and him running, maybe he's a red zone threat. You know, I don't expect him to start over Altmaier anytime soon. There's a couple other guys on the roster. So I think that it could work in that scheme. I think the fit's pretty good, but when it, when is the last time an Illinois quarterback really returned CFF value? Like, do do we have to go back to like juice Williams the last time? Yeah, it's pretty it's it's way out there, man. I mean, other than just the spot weeks, you know what I'm saying, where they yeah. go over 20 fancy points, not relevant probably until yeah, I would say then. <laughs> yeah, because they just like to run the rock and they like to pound the rock, you know. That's yeah, we saw with Chase Brown at a million carries last year. I mm-hmm. think that I don't know if there's I think it is gonna be more of a running back by committee uh this year. I, I like Josh McCray, he's my favorite. I've liked him ever since his freshman year. He's just huge guy, you know, North South guy gets, gets down. I think he fits their scheme. Well, Um, yeah, as long as he stays healthy, I mean, he's had injury issues. So I would, I'm, I'm kind of on him to, to, you know, be the main replacement for chase Brown. But uh, as far as Swanson goes, I think he's a guy who could have some, you know, 
we love that rushing in CFF. So, I mean, if he yep. has like that rushing floor, I think that he could provide some value maybe in like best balls or, or deeper leagues, but I don't know if I'm fully bought on board that he's going to be able to be a competent passer in the big 10. So he might end up being like one of those, you know, wildcat quarterbacks has maybe like set plays for him, maybe in the red zone, uh, you know, kind of like who was the guy in at Oklahoma that scored a hundred touchdowns, Blake Bell or one of the bell dozer back yeah, in the day. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously not a bell dozer. He's more like a, you know, like a little crane. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you got to put on some size, man. Good frame, yeah. but like he's on 181, uh, and that's on the actual Illinois website. So, I mean, like he needs to put on a little bit more to kind of carry through, but other than that, then he'd become a more of a, a dozer. He's got an athletic comparison, uh, in C2C there on our athletic comparison chart to JJ McCarthy. So they're seeing some type of tangibles that are in there. Right. But, uh, as far as relevancy, when undrafted in the CFF dynasty, of course, that was probably going to happen because it's the Illinois quarterback that's not named Luke Altmeyer. So once again, a good quarterback in the way um, kind of decreases the value quite a bit, especially in schools like the Illinois or Penn State, where it's like they got one big stud basically. For yeah, the most and part. He, he's just not anywhere near the passer that JJ McCarthy is. That's, that's all, the big yeah. difference there. You know, I think running ability, you could you could see some, you can see it, you can squint and see it, but uh, mm-hmm. throwing the ball, JJ is just light years better than him. So, uh, yeah. kind of a project here. I'm not sure he's anybody that you're going to be drafting anytime soon, but uh, right. you know, anytime we can get rushing ability, that's always going to be something that we at least have to open our eyes to. Yeah, I do want to point out, like, he got a bunch of G5 offers. So if Illinois, like, he's just – if he's too impatient and he doesn't want to wait behind Altmeyer, this could be an opportunity for a transfer. I see this more of a transfer quicker than I would say even Hauser or even, you know, Levitt type situation just because I feel like both of those guys have a good prime spot. They just have to beat one another out. But Swanson, I don't know, man. Altmeyer is still really young. He's got quite a few years, at least three years of eligibility, if not longer, basically already. So – uh, especially if you had a red shirt year. So this is like a, a wait and see with Swanson. Like I said, just remember the name, put him as like a you know watch list or whatever, just leave him on there. But uh, don't draft anytime soon and just kind of just remember the name in case there's a transfer and it sounds like a cool spot. Like, uh, I don't know. We'll just keep saying North Texas. North Texas. It'll be a North Texas podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're desperately there. trying to get someone over to North Texas. <laughs> that, I mean, go to Bowling Green after Basilic goes or whatever, just Bowling Green. That's like a slack joke. It's like every time Moxie's like Bowling Green, uh, oh, this guy's going to transfer Bowling Green. We just want, we just want Bowling Green to be CFF relevant again, man. So <laughs> Swanson, go to G5, buddy. You're doing a great job, man. All right, man. Let's talk about a guy that uh, actually flew under the radar for the most part, but recently has come on strong, and he's uh, he's got some great tangibles. So it's the Johnny Shepard, another guy that I'll have on the show probably here pretty soon. We've reached out to him, and he's interested, so we'll nice. get to hear from him. So I'll ask him a whole bunch of questions, but I want to get your take because he is 6'2 and a half. Got to have the half. That's important, right? But he's 229 pounds and probably still putting on more size. He's a big boy. Um, he's uh, currently the best uh, size adjusted athlete at QB in the class by a good margin. So when they put out the athletic comparisons there at C2C, like he's an absolute stud. So uh, Rutgers was his only P5 offer. So once again, he saw the chance to play at a higher level and he took it. But I think right away, I believe he becomes pretty much the incumbent. I haven't really read, so I'll have to listen to you once you've heard out of Rutgers in the Big Ten. But Shepard's uh, is getting a lot of buzz that he could be the guy. He could be like the starter, and he could kind of help that out in particular as well. So um, he managed to top uh, a big season as a senior, 
Um, he did originally commit to Old Dominion, but he turned that down as a spot to go to Rucker. So sorry, uh, Justice, you almost had you a stud, and then you lost Wolf <laughs> in the process. So I'm sorry, buddy. It's been a it's been a rough couple off seasons, huh. but who's to say you won't get someone new? So just keep doing your thing, man. Um, but uh, they said that he might be a bit too conservative of a passer at this current stage of the at, but he's uh, he seems to make a lot of high risk throws and prefers instead to make plays within his system. So instead of going high risk, he seems to be a little bit safer. I'd say currently and where he's coming in at Rutgers, but I think over time he'll develop to where he can trust his arm, trust his ability, get it to a receiver that he can do as well. Um, they said that he has an athletic comparison of one Jake Locker, who, you know, if you've seen Jake Locker at Washington, that was pretty outstanding, right? Really good CFF uh, production and then a really good run there at a national championship there with Washington as well. So what have you heard from uh, Shepard? What have you heard from Rutgers as far as their offseason and what they're looking like for the Big Ten this year? Well, I, I would have a hard time thinking he's going to start over Gavin Wimsett. I know he hasn't. Uh, I he yeah, yeah I, I know Wimsett hasn't done much, but, you know, he he's the incumbent. He's the sophomore. I think he's still going to start. Uh, I like what I see from Shepard. I mean, at 230, I mean, that's dual threat guy. Like, there's not a lot of guys. Like, corners do not want to tackle a 230 quarterback coming at them. And if you turn on the tape, he rarely gets tackled by one guy. You know, he's playing in New York. The city league's there. Um, you know, maybe not the best uh, competition, but you know, there's some athletes there. And if you watch the tape, when he takes the ball and runs, he hits it. I mean, he's not afraid to hit the edge. He's not afraid to lower the shoulder. I don't know how that's going to play in the big 10. Um, but, uh, he's obviously a very big body. So uh, I will let you know that I tried to reach out to uh, our friend, Andrew Katz, uh, for a little Intel on, on him. And he goes, I know nothing. So I'm like, okay, well, thanks for that. Appreciate that. There you go. Uh, yeah. He goes, I know nothing I about freshmen. That. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like, probably say, go talk to Brandon and here we are talking about him. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. Yeah. I'm like, thanks for that. But, uh, uh, I know that, uh, Greg Shiano, you know, he was talking about him on, on, uh, signing day. Uh, they were actually recruiting a corner on his, his team and they saw him and he jumped out on him when he was watching, when they were scouting this corner. So they kept following him, uh, kept showing him uh, his offensive coordinator, kept showing it to him every week. And, uh, Shiano said, I just loved his tape. I love the way he played. I loved his temperament. I love the way he led his team. He's a winner. The guy wins at everything he does. I finally, at the end, I just said, I want that guy on our team. I'm looking forward to coaching him. So, that's a pretty good endorsement from the head coach there in a position that isn't exactly stacked uh, on the roster, whether he sticks at quarterback long-term, I think is an actual legitimate question because he does have that athletic ability. I mean, I could see him being a tight end. I could see him being a, could be in his future. If, yeah. Uh, you know, it, he doesn't get on. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, you could see him being a contributor elsewhere. I think, um, you know, it, I just think you mentioned only one P five offer throwing the ball. Definitely looks a little raw. It's not his strength, but he can, put it out there. Um, but he's kind of more of a running guy that the issue is just Rutgers, man. Like, you know, I, I always say that, you know, Michigan state is going to be such a big beneficiary of the big 10 ditching divisions because they'll get out of the big 10 East with Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan. Um, Rutgers might be the even bigger beneficiary <laughs> to get out of the big 10 East. Um, you know, cause they've just been stuck in that division ever since they've been in the big 10 and, you know, opening things up, maybe it gets a little bit easier, but it's just been a tough go for Rutgers since they joined the Big Ten. It's hard to ever say that. I mean, have they had a CFF relevant person since they've been in the Big Ten that you you feel like you can put out there week after week? Um, not every week, but they have like the running back position is uh, looked at, especially yeah. for, for Rutgers. Um, everyone's like, you know, at least one Scarlet Knight that can do that. But wide receiver has been a couple years. I think there was one a couple years ago that had like some, I honestly forget the name. That's how much it's, that it didn't really matter from week to week, basically. But 
was there. But as far as quarterback, no. Like I haven't, I've never drafted nor I've ever waiver wired uh, a Rutgers QB. So mm-hmm. when I saw the athleticism of this guy, and I'm just like, regardless if he's quarterback goes tight end or maybe we get the sweet fan tracks designation of qb and tight end and then we just <laughs> cheat code the system and go yeah. and you know merge our way to victory where you can throw a quarterback in a tight end position like i'd be down for that that would be a nice little cheat code right um but i mean he's got like i said he's raw he just needs to develop and if i'm honest with you man i'm surprised Rutgers is still in the p5 i know that and a lot of i'm sorry for any Rutgers fans that may ever listen to this but like <laughs> i see them as a g5 school and sometimes i have to check myself because i'm like looking at them like is that big fish small pond like no they're actually they're p5 still so it's like i can never use them as you know quote unquote the big fishes in the smaller ponds of the g5 world but i think they're the uh, beneficiary of if they can lower their competition i think Rutgers can be more competitive if that makes sense so I mean, remember when they were when the Big East had football? I mean, Rutgers was right. consistently one of the best teams in that conference. I mean, yeah, they, what, UConn back in the day, right? Yeah, I mean, they made. I think they made like six under Shiano the first go around. They made like six yeah. six bowl games in seven years. I mean, they were yeah. they were solid. You know, they were a, a good pro, you know mid tier program. You know, it's just been a tough go since they got to the Big Ten. You know, it's yeah, it's a big step up in game, and it's just it's tough to project any player on their teams as somebody who's going to be a CFFS at because the schedule is not going to be in their favor most of the time. Yeah. Maybe you can get some non-con games there, but you're never going to feel confident about throwing a guy out there. Shepard's path might to relevancy might be playing tight end, you know, just cause he has that Absolutely. sort of frame, you know, but you know, who knows that's, that's projecting there seem to like him as a quarterback and Shiana likes him. So, you yeah. know, again, dual threat guy, if you can get that rushing floor, all you need is a little bit of passing production, and then all of a sudden, maybe you have a useful player. But I don't know. It's hard to see it with Shepard, at least early on. Yeah. I think what the recruiting team was most excited about is that the, his path, they think that he could probably overtake the the sophomore currently. So they, mm-hmm. they're projecting him to at least have the position of QB, maybe by the end of the season or something like that is what they were looked at as far as his intangibles. But as long as he's raw, like he just needs that time to develop. But um Still, uh, Johnny Shepard is a guy that actually I would look into. He did go, I believe he was undrafted as well, but he's one of those guys like I have him at a little star. Like I personally have him as a watch list because if I find out that he is starting, for example, um, I, I would, I'd, I'd be interested possibly. Mm-hmm. I would just, I just need to see a, a wide receiver kind of emerge or somebody in that realm, uh, you know, catch a pass that knows how to do it. In the, and I would look at the schedule too because it's probably going to be the, murderers row once they get the big 10 but their off seasons usually they play competitive because it's usually the level that they can play at basically against g5 opponents so and i guess the fact that like shiana was watching a different guy or their staff was watching a different guy and this guy popped so much in the game when they're watching that they felt like they had to get him on his radar and, and make him an offer and get him on their team you know that's a pretty good vote of confidence that you know the guy popped enough on the field where they're like wait a sec who's this guy we need him too so, you know, the staff likes him. So that might uh, let a bit of lend a bit of credibility to that, you know, getting on the field early theory. So I guess there's that. Yeah. And the fact that like if he would have been the older man, I bet he would have beat out Wolf because Wolf wasn't all that great. I'll be honest with you. So the fact that he transfers out, I thought Shepard would have probably overtaken him anyway. So uh, clearly Shepard's looking for the opportunity to play at a higher level. So that's why he chose Rutgers there over Old Dominion. So, uh, you know, shout out to him for grabbing that P5 off or at least someone really wanted him. So. All right, man. Are you done talking about Big Ten so we can talk about a little big fish, small pond action? You ready to drive into some G5 and get out yeah. of the country a little bit? I can talk Big Ten for hours, man. You know, a little Big Ten football, six tight ends, punt, 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 pass. Punt, you punt, know, come pass, on, pass, baby. Run, Let's run, go. Run. 
<laughs> Shout playing out to the in the elements. Players. You know, yeah. the elements. We'll be, yep. We'll be talking about some running backs and wide receivers next week. So you might, you know, see some mystery. So Brandon, you'll have to tune in. I'll talk to uh one guy that you knew, Mr. Chris K, but uh, the one Mr. Ethan Sowers, who is a uh, a big Penn State guy, so I'll get a little bit of everything. So we'll get the full Big Ten immersion with all three guys, different right. teams and stuff like that. But until then, let's talk about our Big Fish Small Pond. Of course, this is going to be players that are in the G5 that uh, pretty much exceed where they go or where they decided to go, and it's going to be guys that could be uh, pretty significant CFF starters and seem to be going under the radar, um, even though I think uh, – they shouldn't be. And this is a, this week is Mr. Israel Carter. He's on three consensus, 87.80. He's a three-star. He's one of the highest um, three-stars that's going to a G5. The only one would be other Mr. C.J. Tiller, who we got to talk to last season in the offseason, who went to Boise State. And he's the backup there to Mr. Taylor Green currently, who's uh, doing a fantastic job for CFF currently right now. But Israel Carter... Originally committed to Arizona State, but, uh, you know, he played there. The, he decided to go to South Florida. Probably had something to do with the Rashada stuff that was going on as far as him playing the uh, the, the, the rock skipping game, basically, between schools, uh, between Florida and other options that uh, Rashada had. So he round up Arizona State there as well. Um, it would have been cool to see him in a Dillingham offense, uh, but he's a fine producer at the G5 level because he could clearly play at P5 with no problem. Um He's similar to that of, I don't know if you got to see Aiden Childs yet, the four-star prospect that's going to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. But they say that it's pretty much like uh, pretty much like that as well because he's got high velocity. He's got uh, he's similar playmaking as far as like potentially a higher upside in arm talent. And so, so I know they have, um, I think Bohan is still there, but he's coming off an injury. And then they still have the guy that was there, the freshman last year, Brown, who's the sophomore. But uh, I don't. I haven't heard that Brown has locked it up. So I think this is an open competition, and that's where Israel Carter and his uh, tendencies that can do as well. So this guy's had some full uh, jaw-dropping feats of athleticism, hurling defenders, jumping over end zones. So he's got some really good high school tape, Brandon. Uh, the Bulls signed him, uh, you know, but they got, let's say, Byron Brown as the, the starter for two games. So he's only got two games of experience over Carter. So they're saying because of, uh, you know, Israel having exciting dual threat quarterback ability, good arm, uh, he would be uh, an injury away and or competition away basically from starting on there as well. Uh, But in the transfer error, they're saying that Carter has P5 potential. So say he starts at USF, maybe he transfers type situation. But USF is interesting, man. I know they don't have Jimmy Horn and those guys anymore, but they still got some pieces that they can work with. So. Did you get a chance to look up Israel Carter or have you heard about the name floating around or anything like that? I did some research after you, you had him on the list there. And yeah, man, I agree. The tape is pretty impressive. You know, he played pretty good competition out there in California. I was impressed to see him get that, you know, Arizona state. He had some other P five offers. I don't know how committable they were, um, but he did have some other offers out there and yeah, he definitely pops on tape. I agree. You know, uh, dual threat ability, uh, athletic guy can make some plays, made some solid throws, um, you know, I, I was impressed with what I saw and I, I kind of like the fit at South Florida. I don't know. It's weird to say it's like, they've been bad, like really bad for a long right. time. But like, I don't know. I saw like a tweet, uh, about the 2007 season. It was like South Florida was like third in the poll that year. And I think yeah. they lost very end of the year. And I'm just like, you know what? Like it was a long time ago, but South Florida used to be the central Florida. You know, they used to be exactly. that team that was that. And we know there's talent there. Um, you know, we, I like the coach they brought in the, it was the Tennessee offensive coordinator, right? Alex, uh, Golish was, uh, spearheaded yep. that record setting offense at Tennessee. So we know 
that his system can be fruitful, uh, for, for CFF. You know, uh, I heard him talking about, uh, um, Izzy Carter. He's a good, this is a guy he's known for a long time. So when he saw that maybe he might've been wavering from that Arizona state commitment, he, he went out and got him. He loves his football smarts. Obviously he has that rushing upside, but he said he was humble in his approach and uh, is willing to work. So that that's what we like to hear. We like guys who have that sort of work ethic, are willing to earn their way onto the field. Um, and this is absolutely a situation where he could work onto the field early. You know, Gary Bohannon basically was a cast off from Baylor. Didn't really show much last year. South Florida is a program that desperately needs to get back on track after several years of bad, bad play. Uh, empty stadiums. They just had the news that they're going to get a new on-campus stadium. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, came out today, so there seems like there's some momentum with the program, a fun offensive mind, calling plays on the sideline, um, and we know the talent base is there. So, like, this, to me, seems like it's an offense that has the potential to be fruitful for CFF, you know, where it's like sort of that run, 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 deep shot. And if that's somehow Izzy Carter, either next year or maybe even the talent of this year, is the guy who's running that offense where he's getting some carries and the dual threat, and then he can pop one over the top, you know, to like a Jalen Hyatt like receiver. Uh, I mean, that, that could end up being very valuable for CFF, especially in a conference like the American, which just lost three of its best defenses. So, uh, you know, it could be, you know, this could be like the new, the new Mac, the new, you know, conference USA, you know, the the AAC could end up being just one of those offensive leagues. So to me, South Florida kind of seems like a place where it wouldn't be too hard for him to get on the field. And it feels like a program that should be better than it has been. So you can do worse things than tossing a late draft pick on on an athletic kid who could get on the field fairly early. The crazy thing is that he went undrafted, but I have him like circled with like multiple stars around his name. Cause if Izzy Carter wins this competition, somehow beats Byron Brown, uh, you know, for even week one, I want to snag him, especially with that new Tennessee style offense. It might be, you know, like Tennessee light, but at the same time, like imagine that offense at a much lower level, like you're talking about AAC, which might be, uh, you know, defense optional, basically the new, the new ACC, the new uh, Mac, the new, whatever you want to call it, basically where, you know, you can just let the good times roll, but Izzy Carter, 6'3", 200, what a beast. You know what I'm saying? Like he was going to play at Arizona state. They got Rashada who's like the five, the five or four star or whatever. So it's like, you know, he got over recruited. So then USF comes and snags the guy. Now they got him an absolute stud. And if, if Brown doesn't work, I mean, Carter's that guy. So, I mean, like now, they have two good, you know, like, you know, freshmen and now a sophomore that they can work with. So, but this is the head coach's guy, you know, yeah. like he went out and he got, went out got him, him, you know, right. And this is another thing that I think, uh, I think it was either Colin or, or, or it might have been Austin, but they were talking about on campus life how, like, they personally sought him out, especially when they mm-hmm. saw that their Arizona State stuff might not happen. So, um, he's got an athletic comparison of Malik Cunningham. So, if you can get Cunningham, uh, put, you know, production instead of the ACC level over at the, uh, the AAC level, that's, uh, that's enticing to me, man, for sure. So what I'm saying is that, you, you know, right now he's not being drafted, but he is definitely worth a pickup. Or if you do want to take a swing, like we had 16 rounds of value. If we had to go longer than 16 rounds, I probably would have snagged him like around 18 or something like that for sure. Cause it's just, here's ballpark swinging at that point, And I think it's worth it. So, but for those that, that have like a C2C leagues that are like ridiculously depth, I would, I would take the swing. Cause it's like, they got like 25 plus rounds. I'd take a swing on them in like the 23rd round with no problem whatsoever. So mm-hmm. uh, any last thoughts on Mr. Carter before we start wrapping up, man? 
No, I like them though. I was impressed. I think this was a good find by you. Um, you know, obviously all these deep dives aren't going to hit, you know, it's, no. you're just trying to toss I'm names out there. Deep, bro. And, just shooting yeah. from deep, dropping threes. That's all yeah. I'm trying to do. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's good to at least have these names in your mind, you know, like you, we're not yeah. saying go pick these guys up, but just for down the road, you know, like uh, yep. the athletic ability definitely flashes when you watch the tape. Yeah. So. And the fact that he was rated much higher than even the Johnny Shepard, Cal Swanson, who we just talked about, um, higher than Smollett and stuff like that. So Big Ten quarterbacks, right? And mm-hmm. Carter's highly rated, and I'll go into USF, super enticing. So go check out Carter. Go watch his tape. Circle him. You know what I'm saying? Just keep him on the watch list. You want to do as well. Oh, not the one I want. This is the one I want. All right. <laughs> Brandon, thanks so much for coming on, man. I know it was last minute, but said coming to save the day. Big 10 Brandon hour was uh, a great success. <laughs> I feel like we should probably do it again next year as well, man. So we'll have you back. Maybe I'll have you talk about the running backs and, and wide receivers next year and, and, uh, and get Ethan or Spotty to talk about the quarterbacks for you, man. But uh, tell the people where they can find you. If you've got any cool articles or anything like that coming, mm-hmm. uh, coming out or just anything you want to plug, go for it, man. Yeah, I'm at Brandon the Champ on Twitter. You know, that's T-H-A in the middle. Thanks to our, our guy in Nebraska there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> A lot of you guys follow me on, you know, I've been getting, like I said, more and more into the CFF community. I love, love the CFF guys. You know, everyone's so welcoming. Everyone is all about, you know, sharing, sharing information and just kind of like growing this sport, which I think has the potential to really blow up. You know, I I love the CFF community because you get rewarded for, for doing your research, you know, looking into these guys that we're talking about, or a lot of those other shows, the, the NFL's fantasy has become so saturated, you know, and it just feels like CFF is a, is a landscape where if you put in the work and, and you want to learn about these guys, you can actually get a legitimate step up. So I love that about it. It makes Saturdays way more interesting. So I'm just, you know, I, I don't do any CFF specific content other than coming on pods a little bit now and playing in, in dynasty leagues and playing in the leagues. But uh, obviously, you know, you'll, if you want Michigan state takes Michigan state information uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly putting it out there. So uh, that's kind of it. And then uh, other than that, you know, just uh, you can check out mlive.com Spartan confidential. Uh, that's where most of my content is and uh, do, doing the uh, fighting the good fight in the journalism world. So uh, th- that's, that's where you can find me, but I appreciate the invite, man. Uh, Big 10 Brandon hour was, was a good time. It was it was the best of times, my friend. It was the best of times. Uh, and of course, you know, once again, the CFF community is growing. We always encourage you. Maybe I can get Brandon out there to uh, in Michigan State that has the sign to play CFF or play college fantasy like Jared and then and, and uh, John and those guys. So maybe we can just spread the campaign that way. Hopefully I can get out to a Carolina game and, and grab me a sign and do that as well. I think that's the goal this year is more than just the uh, the spring game. So we'll see what uh, work and all that fun stuff does basically for me as well. But uh, thanks again for coming on, man. Of course, I'm Brandon Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. And, of course, the Future Freshman Podcast drops every Friday at noon. So please go check that out. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.